All right, let's get on up and get ready to worship the Lord. Welcome, Haven Church.
getting started today, right? All right, everybody, how you doing today? All right, happy Independence Weekend. Happy Independence Weekend. Woo! Do I have to bring? Do I have to preach last week's sermon over again? I will. All right. So no. Hey, we're glad you're all here. Um, we've gotten some awesome weather from God. Remember when we were complaining about all that rain? Now we get to enjoy all the sunshine and all this good stuff. So welcome to Haven Community Church. We want to join our um, welcome our online. Worship, I'd say it's up a little bit today. We have Haven Church at the beach this week. You know, it's a one-week thing online. Uh, but, no, we want to welcome everybody who's here, present, visitors. If you're visiting with us, hopefully you received a card as you came in. If you didn't, by all means, there's people around the back to make sure you get that. We have a small gift. Thank you for being part of our worship. Number one, just relax. Have a good time. We're here to connect to Jesus, and that's the main thing, right? Right? There you go. All right. So we're just going to worship God further. Let's hear it. I 
singing what? I will love you, Lord, with all my what? With all my heart. With all my? With all my? All right. So we're going to start again with that bridge. I will love you. I want to hear it. I want I want you to worship with everything you got. You ready? You ready? Are you ready? Let's get ready to worship. All right. Here we go. Ready? I will love you.
you all my worship. I will give you all my praise. You alone, I long to worship. You alone, oh, again, here we go. God, we're here to give you everything that we have and worship you. And so, God, during this time that we celebrate this season of independence and freedom, we give you thanks for um, those who are, uh, who are free in Christ are free indeed. And we give you praise for that in Jesus' mighty name. And let's just have an awesome time here with you. In Jesus' mighty name we say, amen. All right, we're going to have our kids go to our Sunday school time. And everybody else, greet somebody around you. All right, everyone, here we go. Welcome, welcome again. If I didn't welcome you before, now welcome to everybody. Big hug. Here we go. All right, welcome, visitors. I did that before, but I'm going to do it again. If you came in in the meantime, we want to welcome all of our visitors who are um, here with us today. Hopefully, you received a card and that you can get that filled out, and um, we have a small gift for you. Thank you for being part of our worship today. If you're online visiting for the first time on uh, Church Online, whether through Facebook, through the app, or through um, Sunday Streams, through our um, Haven website, we want to welcome you. By all means, drop us a note, uh, email, uh, post right on Facebook, whatever it may be. Go ahead and give that to us so that we can go ahead and, and know that you're here, so that you can be part of our church online, which is, which is great. Um, Okay, you can look at some of these uh, things that are here. Um, you can look at some stuff about Stephen Ministry, if you would. Go ahead and check on that. I'm looking for Sunday school teachers. We need about eight more. My appreciation, and I know Bobby's to everyone last week who had that. I know there's some clipboards in the front. Um, if they get around today, that's fine. We, do, we are good for July. Praise God for that. Um, and we'll be praying for those who are doing that, um, so, which is awesome. Uh, and then August is the other date that we really want to get in touch with. Um, we wanna, before we know it, it'll be there. It's already July. Crazy, huh? Did you know that Wayne is the one who usually shares the, the dates, but do you know half the year is already gone? It was uh, Happy New Year 2 yesterday, which means half the year is gone. So um, I like celebrating that one more than I did the first one because it was cold then, you know, colder. So um, here we go. So again, we need some more there. So if you would like to um, connect with that as well. I know Tessa's going to come up and be ready, right? Tessa? Hey, she is. You can come on up. And um, you got a microphone? Okay, great. She's going to come up and share something about the mission trip in a second. But in the meantime, I'm going to cover something else. July 16th, mark your calendars, is our next time for the Paris Foundation. 
Um, there are sign-ups out here, right, Mike, in the Bell Cafe, if you'd like to contribute. Also, there are those who may be part of church online that you may contrib- want to contribute to that financially or whatever means. You can do so um, through the email there. Tessa, take it away, girl. Come here, right, right front and center so everybody can get a good look at you. Are you on? Let me see. Is he on? Is she on? Talk. Yeah. Hello. There you go. There you go. <laughs> okay. <laughs> and Lauren Daigle's song, How Can It Be, says, You plead my cause, you right my wrongs, you break my chains. I've looked up to Lauren Daigle ever since I heard this song about three years ago when I moved back to Delaware. I saw she also worked with kids from Africa or Haiti, and so did Sadie Robertson, who is also one of my biggest influences when it comes to Christianity. Knowing that I've made so many mistakes hurts, but I trusted in God so much and know he's there for me. I know he wants me to do something good for someone else and for myself for once. I always seem to focus on other people, and that's what most people seem to like most about me. I like to help people when they are in trouble or upset or angry. I think shedding some light on the situation can help this world a lot more because we don't have as much light (laughs) anymore. And I've never really focused on myself, and when I tried, I didn't do as well as I planned. And another, nothing ever goes as planned as, as you planned it to. <laughs> but when I heard about the Haiti mission trip in church, I was so excited, not just for myself, but for everyone else. The fact that I am able to focus on God, others, and myself makes me happy. I don't know my plan, but I know that the Haiti trip is in my plan, and God won't let me or anyone else down because he wants me to shed light as he did when he created all things. I think this is a once in a lifetime opportunity and I can't wait. You got your own cheering section now, Tessa. Good job. So, um, uh, so basically, once again, we're, we're, get, we're um, getting to be a month away, okay, from this mission trip. And there are 16 of us, correct? 16 of us that are going. Um, and I've got the sore arm from the shots to prove it. Um, and so there's, um, you know, everybody who has done this um, has, you know, given of themselves, not only time, financially, but we're also, uh, we've shared several weeks of ways you can help contribute. Um, some of that is by helping financially. It is, a, it is an extensive cost to go to this, and many people, I want to thank you already for those who have given um, and given well. Um, we still have some costs to make up. The church has said, hey, we believe in this. We're underwriting it, first of all, and we'll make it up. Um, so that's what we're hoping. And we do that through God's people. So if you want to give any amount is awesome and helps to go uh, further this. Um, next week, we're going to hear some more things, and we're going to see some videos. One of the things that we're going to do is plant 200-plus trees, you know, um, when we're there, because uh, with the earthquakes and stuff, they're devastating. I don't think we understand the level of poverty that is in Haiti. We don't really comprehend it. Um, and so, um, so we, uh, we decided to go hard or go home. So we're going hard, and we're going we're gonna to be in Haiti, and um, again, shots of medicine to prove it, okay? Um, so we're ready to do that. So thank you, Tessa. You can see all the other ways that you can give to that, and that would be greatly appreciated to everyone who's there. All right, now we now come to our time of prayer requests. We want to lift up, um, Taylor Day has asked for prayers for Cora Perez, um, who has been missing since last night. She's 17 years old, and so prayers for the family. Um, Jennifer asked for prayers for Taylor Day, who is traveling by herself to Nashville on Wednesday. Okay, so Nashville. Um, so we want to lift her up in your prayers. And Andy asked for prayers for healing for John Roslin, who is battling cancer. Okay, so we want to lift, lift them up in your prayers. Real quick, are there any others? 
real quick, uh, special ones, all right? Um, I know we've had, it's been crazy with accidents um, over, and, uh, over the last uh, week or so. I know there was a girl, um, her name slips my head, um, my mind at the mo- uh, right at the time, but she went to Cecil, I knew her, and she was killed in a car accident um, the other day, crossed the line and um, died. Uh, so um, just uh, a lot of those things. Um, that are going on right now. So we want to lift everybody. Also, be prayers for everybody for traveling mercies, as this tends to be a very crazy time of year where every, a lot of the people are out on the roads and a lot of people um, should not be out on the roads. So we want to lift them in your prayers as well. All right, let's go to the Lord in prayer. Heavenly Father, we come to you now today. We want to lift up all the needs that we already mentioned and so many others. And so, God, we know that, um, that you hold this whole world in your hand and that you love us. And so, God, during this time, we have um, so many joys to be thankful for. I just want to ask for special prayers for those who are visiting with us, um, that you may speak your words of life to them. Um, And, God, for uh, others who are planning on the Haiti mission trip, God, I ask for your hedge of protection to be there upon everybody who is going. For those who took a step of faith and didn't have the finances, God, we pray and give you thanks for uh, your Holy Spirit that is just multiplying using the gifts that have already been made or are yet to come in. And we want to pray for all those people in Haiti who are going to be touched by, um, by your act of service um, and ultimately that they can come to know you as Lord and Savior of all. So we want to um, ask you to continue, continue to be with that whole situation. For all other prayers, for the Paris Foundation, for those who, um, who are homeless, for those who are struggling. God, for in my mind I'm right now, um, for those who are, who are single parents, um, who are struggling and struggling and just barely make it. God, I just pray that you'll open doors of blessing for each of them in this world that seems to get tougher and tougher. For Taylor, who is on a trip uh, headed to Nashville, who's headed down there by herself, give her traveling mercies. Um, for Cora Perez, who has um, been missing God, just, um, just uh, you be her shepherd and find her and bring her back. Um, to safety and security and give uh, grace to her family. And for John Roslin, who's dealing with this dreaded disease, cancer that we've seen so many um, leave this world from, um, God, be with them. Uh, be with him and his family at this time, and may you be the great physician in bringing him. For all the things we give you praise as, yes, God, we do recognize and stop right now during this weekend that we do live in the greatest country in the world. And even though we have many, many issues, um, some of them are not pretty. Some of them are just downright crazy and chaotic. We thank you that we live in this country where we can worship you and we can hold faith in you and that those founding principles of those early founding fathers, we pray that, God, we will have a rebirth in connection to their love for you. And so now, God, in a portion of our giving back and the many blessings that we have, we give in your tithe and our offerings multiply them and use them here to further your ministry here and around the world. And we ask this in the mighty name of Jesus Christ, your Son, our Lord. Amen. Well, Tessa, you'll be happy to hear we're doing a Laurel Day for your offering song today. You know, just like the song you like so much, this song is about trusting in, you, in, in God. You know, and as we go on these mission trips, I know it can be a little scary going to a foreign country. So, you know, as we do that, you got to trust that God's there to protect you and uh, keep you safe during that mission.
morning. Scripture reading this morning is Daniel 6, verses 1 through 5. It pleased Darius to appoint 120 satraps to rule throughout the kingdom with three administrators over them, one of whom was Daniel. The satraps were made accountable to them so that the king might not suffer loss. Now Daniel so distinguished himself among the administrators and the satraps by his exceptional qualities that the king planned to set him over the whole kingdom. At this, the administrators and the satraps tried to find grounds for charges against Daniel in his conduct of government affairs, but they were unable to do so. They could find no corruption in him because he was trustworthy and neither corrupt nor negligent. Finally, these men said, we will never find any basis for charges against this man, Daniel, unless it has something to do with the law of his God. You're going to miss that after next week, aren't you? Just come up with another one to entertain you. How you doing? You guys were waiting for the slow song this week, weren't you? Ha! No. We're here to work. Okay, welcome. We are uh, in our fifth week, believe it or not. And that means one more week of this series on Daniel. I've gotten a lot of good feedback. People tend to really enjoy this. It's scary how fitting this thousand years ago fits very good today. Am I right? It fits perfectly. It's also kind of scary as well um, when we look at that. But um, we are talking about Daniel. Daniel is divided uh, into two different kinds of of areas. The Bible is not written in chronological order. That's not what they cared about. They didn't care about time um, and things. What they did care about is sections. So the, um, when they compiled the Bible, uh, they put this in the section. There's major and minor prophets. It doesn't mean that the minor prophets really stink and that the major ones are really cool. It's just like the major ones wrote a lot. Um, and so the, Daniel is in the major prophet because half of the book is, prof- is about prophecy. But, and prophecy is basically telling us the word of God that, is, that in many times is going to happen. Um, and so that's, um, it's important for the readers then, but it's also important for um, us now and those in the future. But a lot of Daniel's book, and we've dealt with a lot of this, is history. But what's interesting, in the history there's prophecy. So that's kind of where, where, why it's there. Um, and so next week we're going to wrap this up, and we're going to really focus on the prophecy part of it. And we're going to deal with the book, some of the book of Revelation, because much of what Daniel dealt with is exactly in John's revelation, almost exactly word for word um, in the book of Revelation. So we're going to talk about that. We're going to talk about the Antichrist. So if you think you have someone who is, bring them um, and we'll talk to them. Uh, And so we're going to uh, do that. And if you say it's like you're uh, a member of your family, look out. Um, But um, we're also going to talk about that next week. Now, what we've been dealing with is that you had the um, Israelites were hanging out in where? They're Israelites. Where were they before? Israel. That's why they're called the Israelites. And so a guy named King Nebuchadnezzar, there we go, good, Nebuchadnezzar, went and he, he is in Babylon, which is modern day 
Iraq. He went down there. He pulled him out of the way. Daniel was about 16 years old at the time. By the time he went through about four um, kings total, he was in his 80s, almost 90. So he was there for maybe 70 years or so. So he was there a while. His whole life was in captivity. He and a couple other guys, they took the best of the best, and they tried to put them into the kingdom. And we learned, and I just kind of want to catch everybody up, and then we're going to take off from today. In week one, we talked about how to live in culture. And one of the things that culture does, its main plan is the first thing that it does is try to re-identify you. So we talked about the change of name that Daniel and uh, Hananiah and Azariah and Mishael, right? Remember these guys who we know as Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego? And Belteshazzar was Daniel's name. They changed them because what culture's plan is to re-identify you, to change you from what God wants you to be. And we have in our culture, it's prevalent that people don't really know who they are. Um, our, we have all kinds of discussions about language and all kinds of other things because people don't know who they are, so we come up with all kinds of other things. Um, and so one of the things that we know as Christians, our identity comes through one thing. It comes through Christ, and that's how we know who we really are and whose we are. And by doing so, um, in order to survive in a godless culture and to live godly, you need to know who you are and whose you are. So we started with that one. Week two, we talked about culture's main test, and everybody likes a test, Right? Everybody loves to be tested, and this test is for worship. Remember, we talked about the guys Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. We also talked about Daniel and the lion's den, and we talked about what it was. Who are you going to worship? And what culture does, a godless culture, um, it tends to try to get you to worship or to give your time, your praise, your everything in your being to something or someone else. And so the question that we ask, ourselves now how do we live godly how do we give to god our worship yet also live in a culture where that everything else um, wants to go there now this one the next one was actually planned for week four but i did it in week three and really this is what we would say culture's main culprit and um and so hold on to that i'm going to go to four because i'm going to come back to this one as well because the order was really to do four as three um, but it fit better on that week for what our church and lives were going through. In week four, we did culture's main sin, and that's what we talked about last week. And it started with a P. Anybody remember what it is? Pride. Pride. I said everything flows from that area in pride. And so we see that God is working, but often we looked at Nebuchadnezzar said, God, said, God is working you, but look at me. Look at what I have done. Me, 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 my, my, my. And he did that, and he ended up going insane. For a period of time. And, uh, and what I talked about is I believe insanity, this cultural insanity and this pace that we live in often comes from uh, a me, 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 my, 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 my. One of the interesting things is, I want to tell you something. In case you don't know this, everybody has opinions. Right? Okay? And you guys are adding other stuff to that because you're, you're evil. Um, but, people have, um, but people have opinions about everything. And, you know, often I get asked, Jack, what's your opinion on so-and-so, I had somebody call me and say, hey, uh, t- uh, actually, Facebook messaged me. Hey, Jack, I want to ask you about something. And so what's your opinion? And I want to tell you something. My opinion doesn't matter. And guess what? Neither does yours. Because as Christians, the only thing that really matters is God's word, right? When we're just saying opinions, it's just blah, blah, blah. It's going in the wind. So opinions don't really matter. It's God's word. When I, even if I don't agree with what's going on, if I submit to God's word, that's called humility, and that's what God loves, right? Isn't that, isn't that cool? Everybody with me here so far? I don't want to lose you yet because we got a lot to do, okay? So, and then let's go back to three. Three was supposed to be four, but the reason why I want to share this is we talked about culture's main culprit, 
okay? Culture's being corporate, and you can put up four as well. You can see this. It says, um, basically what happens is, I believe that because of number three, we can't see one, two, and four times in our lives. And the church is even guilty of this. Like, for instance, we talked about how, remember the handwriting on the wall? Okay? The, um, Belshazzar, the, the son of Nebuchadnezzar, and the handwriting on the wall, which said, many, many, tekel, and parson. Right? Remember that? That remembers your days are numbered. And we talked about how our days are numbered and you've been weighed. And guess what? Your kingdom's going to be given. And we talked about how we're only given so much on life. We only have that dash. And what do we do with it? And often what we do is because of the, because of the plan, the test, and the culture's main sin in our lives, we often waste that time that God's given us. So often we, we let the time that we have here be re-identified as something else, and we aren't who God wants us to be. Often we worship or give our time and effort to something else or someone else. And then we think we're so good with what we do, and we throw ourselves in our, in our stuff that we never become who God wants us to be. And here's the thing. Churches are, are often guilty of this, that they can't see this because of the main culprit. We end up, um, we end up going ahead and having a, a, a warped identity as churches. We end up worshiping stuff or, or systems rather than worshiping the God who puts it all together. And then often we have this pride of sin. And one of the things that I found out, and we shared this that week, is that the worst decisions we've ever made are usually when we're tired and exhausted. We make bad decisions. So that's number four. So that's how we are. Now today, here you go. We're getting to today. Today, we are going to talk about, because of these four, if these four are the problem, today we're going to talk about culture's main need. What does the culture need? Because often what happens as the church, we look at the culture and say, the world is going to hell in a handbasket, but I'm good with God. And so as the church, we're just going to stay here in our little corner of the world, and we're going to worship, and we're going to pray to God, and then we're going to go in the culture, and we're going to kind of hide out a little bit. We'll be, we'll be covert Christians and just kind of, you know, we'll keep our Bibles over here. We'll put them on our phones so nobody knows. They think we're texting, but we're really we're reading God. You know, we'll do that. And then when we come to church, we'll sing worship songs, and we'll do all that kind of stuff, and we'll do the stuff quietly, but to hell with everybody else, literally. They can go to hell is what we really say to them. And so if these are the main problems and we retreat, that's not what God intended. Often what we find out, because of this, Jesus said, I want you in the world but not of it. Which means I want you to be godly in an, a godless culture. And so often what we do, and I don't think God ever intended for the church to be this abstract, non-connecting group of weird, unusual people. Okay? But let me, I just want to take a poll today. How many of you have ever met some really weird church people? Okay, there you go. You are church people, okay? So, and if you're talking about somebody next to you, sorry, scoot over. There's plenty of seats today. Okay, so, but often, I got to tell you, I've met some clergy, and I met some other people. I had a discussion with a lady last night. She goes, and what kind of pastor are you? And I've known her for years, and I said, I said, this one. And she goes, and that's why I love you. And she gave me a big hug. She goes, because some of those people are really weird. I was like, thanks for that sermon illustration tomorrow. Because there are some people who are just weird. And if they are displaying the image of Christ, we serve a weird, weird God. Right? And often, if that's what I got to deal with heaven, I'm like, eh, can you put me in the not so weird area, God? You know, because there are some unusual people that just kind of freak me out a little bit. Right? Anybody with me? 
I know you're looking at one. You want to salute me? Whatever. It goes. But anyway, um, so we look at this whole kind of thing. What I believe, though, is God wanted us to possess a quality, a quality that stands out, a quality that the world would run to to get the answers, the words of life. That's what he wants from us. You know, Jesus was a cool dude. Jesus walked around and people flocked to him. Yes, because what they could get for healing, but because he had the words. And when he told the disciples, when people left him, and he told the disciples, you can go too. And they said, where do we go to? Only you have the words of life. And that's what the church is to be, a vibrant entity that gives living words from God. So this is what happened in Daniel's life. And so we talked about that at this point we had the Iraqis, the Babylonians that came in and took Israel. Now, if we go back to the handwriting on the wall, Belshazzar, that night, he was taken over by the Medes and Persians, who are the Iranians. No mistake that they're still fighting to this day, okay? No mistake at all. So here's what we have. So we come to Daniel chapter 6, verses 1 through 5, and we have king number 3. His name is Darius. And here's what it says. It pleased Darius to appoint 120 satraps, um, their governors, all right, pretty much governors, and um, throughout the kingdom. So they were in charge of different areas of the kingdom. That tells you how large his kingdom was. And he said, and he put three people in charge, one of who was Daniel. Now, this is a guy who was 16. He's on his third king, and God is showing him favor as he constantly keeps committed to him. Now, by him doing that, Daniel was one of them. The satraps, so the cool thing is Daniel is not Babylonian. He's not Persian, but he's one of the leaders because God showed favor to him through everyone else. The satraps were made accountable to them so that the, wherever here we go, the king might not suffer loss. Stop. This is how cool you see, Darius knew that any t- the two previous kings that put Daniel in charge of anything, it was awesome. He said, I didn't suffer one bit of loss that Daniel had. Daniel was somebody you want to take your, your retirement and give to. You know, Daniel was somebody you say, go to the stock market. Daniel, you want to take to the casino in the area because he ain't going to lose a dime. That's Daniel. And so, because God has shown this. So the king said to this, look what he says. Now Daniel was so, look at this, so distinguished himself among the administrators and the satraps by his, here we go, exceptional what? Qualities. That the king planned to set him over the whole kingdom. This, is a 16, this was a 16-year-old boy who was snatched from his home, had to deal with two kings, a lion's den, writing on the wall, interpreting dreams, having other people want to kill him and do all this kind of stuff, and he remained true to God in everything. And now he's going to be put up as second only to King Darius. At this, everybody was thrilled, right? No, 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 no. At this... The administrators and the satraps tried to find grounds for charges against Daniel in his conduct of government affairs. So what they said is, let's go and see what we can find out about him. So in other words, this would have been the news on Fox and CNN and MSNBC to find out what's going on here, right? Anybody turn on the TV lately? This is what we deal with. Everybody's looking for something. Okay, Um, And so they tried this, and they were digging in, and they were finding out stuff. And it says, in his conduct of government affairs, but they were unable to do so. Oh, God, might we have leaders like Daniel, right? They could find no corruption in him because he was trustworthy. 
And you know, that's a prayer that I have for everybody, that, some, that the world finds no corruption in any one of you, but finds you trustworthy, trustworthy in life. And it says, um, and neither corrupt nor negligent. Finally, these men said, we will never find any basis for charges against this man, Daniel, unless it has to do with his God. You see, what we see is others tried to find these problems with him, but they couldn't do it because he was trustworthy. And we need to be the same way. God wants to save us, and he wants to do that by giving us great qualities, and he wants to save others by giving you great qualities that you can share with others. For instance, what God wants, and what I believe is God want, what I believe this whole church is about, is we want this to be a place where you come and experience God, and you don't stop there. You grow in faith and in understanding of God. You develop your own outstanding characteristics and gifts that is God-given, and then you serve God by reaching others for him. It's a missional approach. It's exactly what Daniel did. So here's what I'm going to do. You ready? For the next three to five minutes, you can time me if you want. Um, I want you to, I'm going to give you some head knowledge. Okay? And we're going to get really heady here. Put on your, remember when people said put on your thinking caps? I want you to put on your thinking caps. All right? And then I'm going to go ahead into some more practical application. I'm going to tie it up in a nice red, white, and blue bow for you and send you out of here to your picnics and all that other kind of good stuff. Okay? You ready? Is that good? Okay, good. Here we go. All right, so let's look here. Let's look in 2 Corinthians chapter 3, 17. I'm going to bounce all around. Now, the Lord is spirit, and where the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. That's what's printed on the front of your bulletin today. And we who with unveiled faces. So let's stop. Spirit. In the scripture, spirit means a couple things. Wind, breath, it's a power, it's an influence, it's, it's, um, it's a force that exists. And so when we have that presence of God through his spirit, wherever God is, there is freedom. That's God's plan for you. So what you want to know God's plan, we, we heard what the culture's plan is to re-identify you. Where God is, where the spirit of God is, is to come in with his presence and free you from whatever's keeping you bound um, often in the culture. And so often what we say, okay, that's God's plan, to free me. And we say, go get them, God. There's a lot of people in bondage. Go get them. No, here's what it says. And what's that next word? And we, we, it's not God, it's you. We with unveiled faces reflect God's glory. Stop. You say, what's that unveiled face? Real quick history lesson. Remember I told you I'm going to go back. Moses met with God on a mountain. When he would go, he'd meet with him. The glory of God was so much that his face Chains. It was, I, I think it's kind of like he got God burn on his face, you know, and was just glowing so much that when he came down off the mountain, it was like a big glowing and the people had to cover up their eyes. So Moses, in order not to freak out the people down there, put a veil over his face. Okay, because the people couldn't stand just the reflection of God's glory on Moses' face. So right here, the Apostle Paul is saying, we have unveiled faces. In other words, we are to reflect the glory of God and not cover it up. We can't be covert Christians. We need to reflect that to the world so the world sees this. So we with unveiled faces all reflect the Lord's glory and are being what? Transformed. A meta- that term is metamorphi. It means a metamorphosis is going on in us. In other words, I'll tell you what that means. God loves you the way you are, but he loves you too much to keep you in that mess that you're in. All right? So we go through a metamorphosis into his likeness with ever-increasing glory. We're being transformed into the image of Christ. How many of you ever have a parent 
that, some, that somebody knows and they see you and you say, you're so-and-so's kid. You're Connie Cohen's kid. I know it because you look like him. Right? How many ever say that? You get that. And so what, and, and I'm going to tell you something. One time I took an old church book and I looked through and people who are married or together for a long while, you start to look alike. Test me on this, okay? Go ahead. It's really kind of funny. And you're like, oh, my gosh. So look at your spouse and say, you're going to look like me one day, you know? And scare them out. Freak them out. Pretty good, okay? So, so what we have is we have these unveiled faces. We're to keep it open, ever-increasing glory, which comes from the Lord, who is spirit. So what we see here is everything God is doing is to be reflected in us. Let that sit all in for a while. Everything that God is doing or done is to be reflected in you and me. So we need to look like Jesus. Okay? Um, And we need to do that by actions. Yes, fruit of the Spirit. That's a whole other sermon. But we need to, in order to find out what that looks like, we need to look at the face of God. So how do we do that? Ready? Jump into Revelation chapter 4. And we see this section about living creatures. And it's kind of weird. And anybody who's taken disciple with me has seen when I've drawn these things, and they're pretty, uh, I can't draw with a squat. But anyway, these living creatures are in the center of the throne. John is displaying the image of the throne of God, and there's these living creatures, and they have, they're like, they have like four faces, okay? And, um, and wherever the glory of God is, they are. Some have gone as much as scholars have said, this is what God looks like, but this is where the glory of God is. This is where it is. And so in Revelation chapter 4, verses 6 through 7, we have it up here. In the center around the throne were four living creatures, and they were covered with eyes in front and in back. And the first living creature was like a lion. The second was like an ox. And the third had a face of a man. And the fourth like a flying eagle. Now stop. They're not different creatures. They're one with like, kind of like, Multiple heads, kind of like Clash of the Titans kind of stuff, right? Okay, so they've got these multiple heads, and, or, and, or they could be the same head. I've seen one depiction with, like, different heads all around them and eyes. Really kind of freaky kind of thing, but here we have a couple different things. So we have a lion, we have an ox, we have a man, the face of a man, and we have an eagle. Many scholars have said it's a representation of God, and others have said it's a representation of the four Gospels, which I really like. Um, I really like in that um, so much that... The lion is Matthew because he talks about Jesus being from the tribe of Judah, which the symbol was a lion. Um, we have the ox that would relate to Mark because he shows Jesus as the humble servant. We have a man, which Luke shows Jesus as the perfect man. And then we see um, John, the Gospel of John, as an eagle because he talks about Jesus coming from above to earth. Okay? Take it for you. That and 50 cents buys you a cup of coffee. Doesn't matter. Just hang in there, okay? So you may say, Jack, are you sure this is a representation of God? Yes, because let's go to Ezekiel. I told you. Just hang in here. Ezekiel chapter 110 has the exact same vision that we have in Revelation. He's talking about these living creatures, and he said their faces uh, looked like this. Each had uh, four. Each four had a face of a human being. And on the right side, each had the face of a lion. And on the left side, had a face of an ox. And each also had the face of an eagle. Exact same thing. Different places, different times. All right? And Ezekiel even goes so much. You read further in chapter 1, verse 28, where it says, This was the appearance of the likeness of the glory of God. So, if I look like these faces, I'm going to have the qualities of God. And I can reflect that. So, I want to spend some practical time. Everybody ready? Say practical time. There we go. Practical time. What I'm going to do is take these faces, and I'm going, to, I'm going to share some things with you, okay? Everybody ready? Okay, the first one, the ox. 
You're to look like an ox. Okay, you're to look like an ox. What is an ox? The ox has the face of a servant. Okay, when you look at oxen, oxen carry and plow for other people. They carry the load for others. Anything, that weight that others can't carry, that is what an ox is supposed to do. Now, keep in mind, this is the image of God, and we are to reflect this image in our life. Um, Actually, oxen in the Old Testament were such servants that they were actually sacrificed for the sins of the people. That's a big servant. And then if we look at that reflection in Jesus, Jesus as well became the suffering servant. Okay, ultimately. Jesus washed his disciples' feet. Jesus gave his life up for you and me. Daniel had that same quality. Daniel was in service to his captors, all four of them, throughout his lifetime. And God gave him, gave him so much. What did it say here? Darius never questioned because he never lost anything when Daniel was in charge. You know, the way to people's hearts, and I got to tell you, this is where the church has been so messed up. Remember I said everybody's got opinions? The way to people's hearts is not by hitting them over the head with a 20-pound Bible. The way to people's hearts is not by pointing out everything that's wrong with them. The way to, to get to people's hearts is by serving them, by doing something for them, by loving them. Like, for instance, when we leave here today, there should be a pileup at the ex- exit so that people can say, no, you go first. No, you go first. You go first. You shouldn't even get out of this church. You're all going, oh, no, you, no, you, no, you, no, please, no, no, oh, you, no. You should do that all day. You know, when the line's getting along in Walmart and they open up, I'll take the next person, you don't just run over and elbow somebody in the face. You say, oh, no, you, no, you, no, you, and you stand in the back. That's servanthood, right? We don't do that, do we? Our culture is very me-oriented and, and very focused, which leads us to the sin of pride. Um, it's very counterculture to our culture to say, you first, you first, you first. I've seen people walk through doors now and pull them behind you rather than hold them open. You know what I mean? I, just holding, People are shocked now that the door's held open for people anymore because we're all in such a hurry. We should tell people, how can I help you? How can I help you? God wants to transform. Use this in a sentence today. God, go up to somebody and say, God wants to transform you into an ox. Okay? And God does. God does. Let me share with you some things at Haven. The reason why we do the Paris Foundation, the reason why we do the rotating shelter, the reason why we're, we're spending our own money to do a mission trip in a, in a country that's in our hemisphere but far removed from us that we never have to think about it, the reason why we collect money for the pregnancy center, all these are just small examples of being an ox. And I want this church to be an ox for the community and the world around us. Not just social justice, because social justice is good, but social justice is there so that we can share the love of Christ Jesus. My dream is one day that we have our own centers where people can come and get whatever they need. My, my, my prayers are that the fact when, when a single mom comes to us and, we, and they need housing, that we can say, hey, we've got a place for you. Go right on in and we'll work out the financing. That's my hope. Because that's being an ox in our community. That's helping If you think this is all the dream that I have, you don't know what's in this demented mind. I'm just letting you know. I think we need to be an ox more than ever before in a culture that that loves to slaughter the oxen. More and more and more. And we need to to do that. In 1 Corinthians, we see this. Um, We see, though I am free, I belong to no man. Though Paul says, I make myself a slave to everyone. For what reason? To win as many as possible for Christ. 
Okay? So here's what you're going to do. When you go to work, and I know most of you are like, yeah, I don't go to work till Wednesday. You got that down. When you go to work, stop by Dunkin' Donuts. If you don't want to spend that much, go to Walmart. Get the ones that have been there for a day. They're still good. Get them donuts and take them into people. Even the people you don't like say, have some donuts. Hey, have a good day. People will be like, what is wrong with that person? Serve somebody. That is a good way to get to yard. Don't you like the people that bring the donuts? Yes, you do until you got to go hit the treadmill because of them. But that's okay. You can go work out with them as well. Make yourself a slave to everyone for the sake of Christ. Jesus said he, he came not to be served, but to serve. And if it was good enough for Jesus, it's good enough for you and me. Number two, the next one, a face of a man. And the face of the man is the face of love. We need to embrace and begin in the church to embrace and love people, not doctrine. Let me say it again. Doctrine has its place, but we have set rules that we have put up above people. All right? And we got a lot of stuff in our world. But I've known pastors, figured, somebody help me with this one. I've known pastors who've had couples that live together that want to get married and they won't marry them because they live together. How in the world does that make any sense? Somebody explain that to me. That, that means they wouldn't have married Mary and Joseph, just to let you know. All right? And so we have crazy stuff that we do. When Jesus, he had people that all had all kinds of issues. Did you see those 12 Knuckleheads that he walked around with on the earth, they had issues, but he loved them first. He loved them first. And the church needs to recapture a love and a care. I've been on airplanes. I've been in areas where I've talked to people. And I remember, you remember when the uh, Da Vinci Code was really big? And I had a book about, you know, the wrong things in the Da Vinci Code. And I was reading it, but it was like, kind of like, like, the, like Christian printers do. They put it in like a similar cover and write in the same font, so you think you're reading that, but you're not. I remember sitting next to this person. I'd just come back from a um, conference in California, and she was sitting there and was talking, and she saw this. She goes, oh, you're reading that Da Vinci Code? I said, well, actually, I'm not. I'm reading about some of the things that, that are wrong with it. She goes, oh, really? Like, what? So I started talking to her, and she goes, what do you do? And, you know, as a pastor, sometimes you say, like, uh, I'm in sales, <laughs> you know, or something, because it's a whole different thing, which you kind of are. Um, but, you know, it, it adds a whole different dimension when you say, because you go, oh, I'm a pastor. And they go, mm, got to get up, you know. Um, but I, I eventually told her, I say, I'm a pastor. I'm coming from a conference. And she goes, eh, I'm not too keen about Christians. I said, well, me neither. Um, so, but we, we started just talking a little bit and just got to share with her. And she said, well, why are you reading this? You know, I hear all this stuff. I said, you know, because one of the things is I want to know the truth. And, and ultimately, I think all this stuff is extra stuff that we get caught up in. But the main thing is, is Christ just loves you, you know. And, and so it was cool. We had a little... Uh, a little discussion, and she told me that her brother was um, a magician and trying out for Cirque du Soleil and all this kind of stuff. So we had a little, and the mom was there, and we had a little cool, like, like uh, you know, overnight flight where you can eventually sleep. But, you know, I don't know where she is now, but it's just, you know, I mean, the thing I felt God wanted me to do is convey love, his love to her. You know, um, that's what Jesus did with the woman who was caught in adultery. Don't you love that? The woman who was caught in adultery? I love that section of Scripture. You can tell some men wrote that down. Um, but the woman who was caught in adultery, that, that Jesus um, said that to her. He loved her, first of all, and he did that with everybody he met. He loved them first. We focus too much on issues rather than loving someone. And Jesus always, always loved someone. His biggest problem was with religious leaders who couldn't leave dogma along, uh, on, alongside enough to love somebody. John 13, Jesus says this. He says, I love how he starts this. Look what he says. He says, a what? A new command I give to you. Guess what? It ain't new. Love has been the, from the very beginning. 
But Jesus says, I got a new command from you. And those guys are probably saying, what are you talking about, God? That's, that's been an old thing. He said, yeah, but you guys got to do something new with it. You, I, a new command I give to you is to love one another as I have loved you. You must also love one another. And look at this. By this, by this, all men, all the world will know that you are my disciples. You see, it's not about, it's not about what you say. It's about how you love. You see, you can say that you believe Jesus. You can say that you love Jesus. You can say that, hey, I'm a Christian. You can show me all, as I've said before, all those Sunday school pins that go to your ankle. You can do all that kind of stuff. You can tell me that you read the Bible cover to cover and backwards and read it in Hebrew and Greek and all that stuff. But guess what? As 1 Corinthians says, if I speak with the tongue of men and angels but have not love, I am just a loud gong and a clanging cymbal. And i got to tell you, the church needs to stop being a gong and cymbal. We need to start loving a lot more. Love a lot more. Love somebody. Love somebody. Love somebody who doesn't deserve your love. It'll freak them out. All right? Number three, eagle. I want to break out into fly, eagles fly, but I won't. Okay. Um, an eagle. Eagle is the face of respect and honor. It's about dignity. Um, I remember I was coming down um, Theodore Road one day, and I saw this bald eagle flying. Now, how many of you have ever seen, like, a bald eagle, like, just out there? And, you know, you remember there's a time that it was kind of like really dangerous. They were endangered, but now you see them. And when you see them, they're pretty awesome. And you've seen me do this before because, right? Yeah, there you go, Lisa. You remember. So, like, an eagle, like, is up on a perch, and he's just like, hmm, yeah, I'm the man, you know, like, right here. And they, when they leave, they just, hmm, and just soar. They just soar. They're like, I am so bad. I got one. And they soar, and they soar, and they soar. And when they find their prey, zap, and then they back up. Yeah. You know, they're, they're awesome to watch. And, you know, I remember when I was coming down Theodore Road one day, and, you know, there's no shoulder on the road there, but I saw this eagle, and I'm like, mm, pull over. And I just kind of got out, and I had my camera phone. I'm like, zooming in, just sitting in there, because I'm like, this is cool. And you kind of have that patriotic money, my country, tis. Um, you know, you start to have this, because it's just awesome to see. And all of a sudden, it's just like, takes off. There's something about seeing that that just makes you go, wow, right? This, this is an incredible creature. I'm so glad that they didn't listen to Benjamin Franklin and pick a turkey, you know? I mean, that would just been weird, you know, like, you know, whatever, but um, I can't see, like, my country, gobble, gobble, gobble. Um, that doesn't work, but. But there's something impressive about a bald eagle. And guess what? There's something incredibly impressive about our God. Something incredibly wow factor about our God. God wants us to develop something, a quality in us, that people look at us and go, wow. That person was a wreck, but wow, that must be a mighty God. You see, with Daniel, every king who did not believe in the God of Israel looked at him and said, wow. Look at Daniel and look at his God. Remember we were talking about Nebuchadnezzar going around? He was insane. And then finally he said, you are the God and you last forever and ever. Your kingdom never ends. They saw that in Daniel, in his life. And we need to have people see that in our lives now. To just watch and say, wow, look at that God. That's why we do what we do when we have people in the parking lot. You know, remember the days where, you, you know, the first person you met was after you came five, ten feet in the door? Or down there. My hope is that you got people standing there in the parking lot. And then you got some free coffee or whatever is there. And then you got 
nice cushy seats for your rear ends, right? And then you got air conditioning. Believe me, I w- or starting off, I was in those churches without any air conditioning, right, Chris? And they were hot. I remember one time, it was on the 4th of July weekend, I was preaching in a wind tunnel. They had like 10 fans around me, like, whoo, blowing around. Enjoy the air conditioning and go, wow. And I want, I, all that is nice, but I want you to say, wow, what a mighty God. So that everything is taken out of the way so you can say, wow, God is awesome. And people need to see that too. In Mark 7, 37, it says, people were overwhelmed with amazement and said about Jesus, he has uh, done everything well. In other words, they went, wow, look at, look at this God. Jesus said this in Matthew chapter 5, you are the salt of the earth. But if salt loses its saltiness, how can it be made salty again? Salt was used as a preservative, but it's also flavor. How many like to put salt on anything? Okay. How many like to dump the whole salt shaker on it? Hold on to that. Um, it says, you are the light of the world. A city on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people put a light under a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on a stand, and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before men, that they may see your good deeds and praise your Father in heaven. You know what? In the darkness, I like light, but if you shine the light right in my face, I'm not going to like it that much. I'm going to get blinded. I like a little bit of salt. I like a lot of salt. But guess what? I don't want the whole shaker and the whole bag or the whole Morton's, salt, the Morton's container on my corn, right? Because it's too much. And what the church often does is give, blah, we, blah, we throw up on people. Blah, blah, you have that. And, be, and we're like, you're doing this, and, and blah, blah, you know, we throw that all on you. And guess what? We're going to show you the light of Christ, and we're going to blind you from it. And you have a bunch of blind, vomited on people because of how the church reacts, because we react without love. It's what happens. It's just what happens. So God wants you to serve them, to love them, and to wow them. Last one. The lion, the lion is the face of boldness. Don't be silent. Don't be like, put him up, put him up. Don't be that one, the cowardly lion. Be the lion. Put him up. Okay, all right. Be the lion that has courage, that is brave. That's, I mean, don't be rude. Some people who have truth are rude and mean and nasty and obnoxious. Don't be that way. Church has plenty of them. Just don't be quiet. You see, like I said the other week, that we need to be quiet. And many people say, shh, 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 shh. Culture, church, quiet, 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 church, shh, shh. No. We the people. And last time I checked, we're, we're the people as well. And so we need to speak out about what is good. We need to speak out. On the front of your bulletin, you have one of the founding fathers, Patrick Henry, who said it cannot be emphasized too strongly or too often that this great nation was founded not by religiousists, but by Christians. Not on religion, but by on the gospel of Jesus Christ. We can't rewrite history. They want us to. Culture wants us to. But I can find hundreds of quotes from the founding fathers that talk about this is founded on the gospel of Jesus Christ. Proverbs 28, 1 says, The righteous are as bold as a what? Lion. Know what you believe and hold to the truth. You don't have to be rude about it. Just share who you are. Real quick, Jesus said this when they were asking him some questions. He said, hey, who do people say that I am? He's hanging around this area called Caesarea Philippi where I've been before in Israel. He says, who do people think that I am? And they said, well, some think like you're Elijah, like 
reborn. Um, some say you're John the Baptist. Um, he said, well, wait a second. Okay, that's what they say. Who do you say that I am? And Simon Peter says, you're the Christ. You're the son of the living God. And Jesus says something really awesome. He says, Peter, you're too dumb to come up with that on your own. God gave that to you. And because you're faithful and open to God, I'm going to change your name from Simon to Peter, which means rocky. And on this rock, I'm going to build my church. Okay? Peter didn't have the qualities at the time, but he had an open heart and an openness to God. And he became one of the greatest people in the Christian faith. The world needs us to be the rock. We need to be rocky. We need to be rocky for Jesus so that he can build his church in this world. So that's, we've got the faces. Everybody got the faces that you have? So how do we respond to culture very quickly as we head here? We've got to balance the extremes because often people are one way or the other. And I'll share um, with you a couple things. The first thing I'm going to share with you is first. How did Jesus do it? It says this, same way he, he did it. He said, says, the word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory. Here's what we need to do. We've seen his glory. We need to reflect that glory. The glory of the one and only, his son, who came from the Father full of two things. Grace and truth. Grace means simply this. We all have sinned and fall short of God's glory. We all need a Savior. That's it. Grace. We all need a Savior. Not one of us is good enough not to need a Savior. Just ask Nebuchadnezzar. All right? We all need a Savior. All have sinned. And the other thing, thing of that is we need truth. What is truth? Remember? Know the truth and the truth will set you free. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. The truth is this. So we don't need to compromise. We need to have grace, which is undeserved love and favor. So we need to approach things with love. But we don't compromise the truth for it. The woman caught in adultery that I mentioned. Perfect example of this. People wanted to condemn her. Wanted to take her out and throw stones at her to kill her. Jesus knelt down began to write in the dirt. Many people believe he was writing some of the sins. And he said from the oldest to the youngest, they began to drop their stones and leave. And Jesus said to her, woman, get up. He said, there's no one here to condemn you. Here comes grace. Ready for grace? Neither do I condemn you. Neither do I condemn you. That's grace. She deserved it. By the law, she deserved to be stoned and killed. But Jesus said, no, no, no. Here's, here's where power comes in. I'm extending it to you. Anybody seen Schindler's List? I pardon you. Jesus says, hey, you all deserve. Jack, you, you're, you're a mess. You deserve death. You deserve suffering, but because of my love for you, I died on the cross, and I'm pardoning you. That's grace. But truth is this, and Jesus did this with the woman. Neither do I condemn you. Now go and sin no more. That's truth. That's truth. Don't do the same stupid stuff. Daniel was full of grace, but never wavered in the truth of his love for God. Jesus, the epitome of that throughout his life. Constantly, and we saw that in John chapter 1. So, this is what I have today. You got to put on your game face. Remember, we talked about being in the game and, and doing that? You got to put on the face of these. You got to put on that ox. All right? You're gonna, how many are going to be at a picnic? Go help somebody get their plate ready. Help somebody do something. All right? Help somebody. Be a servant to somebody. If you're leaving here because you got to go pick up stuff at a store, help somebody out. You know, just, just help somebody. Love somebody. I got to tell you what, this week, 
There's some, there was this one day, Emigail and I were going down to get shots. I'll end up with this as the worship team comes up. The other day, there's somebody I don't love at all. A matter of fact, if I got them, I might choke them because they, um, they were heading down 95 and they came over and they almost took us out going on 95, about 80 miles an hour, okay, right in the front of me. And then there's another car coming. It would have been a colossal accident, colossal accident. So I stopped right there, and I prayed for them. No, I didn't. I yelled, and I screamed, and I wanted to choke this person. And I got up next to them, and I looked, and they had headphones in. And I wanted to send them to wherever they need to go after this, because I was like, you could have done this. And then I pull off the road, and then we're heading down 24. We're going there. Another person almost cuts me off again. And then I'm, like, flipping out at this person, all right? I'm, I'm losing it here, right, Emigel? Yes, I'm losing it here. And I'm like, uh, the dumbest people in the world are on the road today. And I'm like going, I'm going to get shots because I'm trying to be an ox, right? You with this? Okay, so, and meanwhile, I'm a raging bull at this point. And then on the way home, one of my major pet peeves, and if you do this, I will pray for you that you are not in front of me. Because then somebody has their feet out the window. Get your feet in the window. When, you know, in the passenger side, don't stick on your nasty, crusty toes up on the thing. I don't want to see that. But anyway, they're doing that. But this is someone who's driving. Someone's driving and has their foot out the window. Why? Why? That foot's out the window. I'm losing it, aren't I? I'm, I'm, I'm gone. Then they're taking their hand and doing this. Their foot and their hand are out the window. I'm like, I loathe you. Every ounce of my being. And I'm, I'm flipping out right now. Okay, I'm, I'm losing it. And I'm like... Get her own video. I'm like, just like, you know, I want to post it and rip her head off, right? You know. Why? <laughs> it was Lisa, so. No, um, but, and she's in punishment. No, I don't know who it was, but I'm like, my gosh. And, you know, after I was doing the sermon and putting this stuff together, yeah, I lost it. And God and I talked about it, but they're still pretty stupid. But um, it was, it was kind of like this. God just said, Jack, this is the culture. They don't care about anybody around them. It's all about them. They don't care. This is exactly what you're talking about. Jack, I need an ox. I need the face of a man. I need an eagle and I need a lion. Because this world's hurting and they need grace and truth. And I need you to bring it. And you got to tell those people, they got to stop. They got to pull the veil off and so people can see me. All right? Those who are in Christ are free indeed. Amen? Amen. All right, let's stand up. Let's go to prayer. Lord God. We come to you today, and we just thank you for your presence with us. We thank you for your freedom. For where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. And God, if there's anybody here, anybody who's watching part of worship today online, uh, I just pray that they will feel the Spirit of God, and they will see it with unveiled faces, that they can reflect the grace and truth that we have. That God, we are all far from you because of our sin, because of missing the mark. Um, but your plan was different than the world's plan. The world wants to remake us into that sinful culture and tell us we are something else. But God, you said you're my child, and I love you. And although you deserve one thing, I pardon you. I give you grace. I give you undeserved love and favor. And the fact is, Jack, that you need a Savior, and I'm the only one you're going to have. I'm him. So, Lord, right now, for anybody here who needs a Savior, who really, really needs freedom, has been bound by their own sin and, and missing the mark. God, um, go ahead and, and just say, you know, hey, Jesus, uh, I've been trying this cultural thing in my life. I need a Savior. I messed up. I need a Savior, and you're it. God, you know, work out truth and change their lives, transform them 
as they grow close to you, but may we be love to people who need it. So God, as we as a church and in a community begin to embrace even further your grace and your love, help us be have the uh, face of an ox and be servants. Help us have the face of a, of a human and begin to show love. God, help us to give a wow factor about how awesome you are in our lives as the eagle. And ultimately, God, let us be bold in a, in a world that wants to keep us quiet so that many will come to know you as Savior and Lord. So right now, as we're here, whether you're right where you are and you want to make that your altar and just say, God, I, I need what you need to get to me, or you're up front with our Stephen ministers and myself and you just need a, a touch from the, from the Lord, just go ahead and do that here today. If you're watching at home or, or you're on vacation and you're just watching with an app or whatever, if you're on the beach and, and you're getting this right now, look around you and see how, what a mighty God we serve and how awesome he is to provide us this wonderful world that we can serve him and love others. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.
Everybody good? All right. Um, one quick prayer request that I was uh, asked to put on um, for Jean Lambert, who is battling Legionnaires and pneumonia um, and kidney failure. So a lot of thanks. Be lifting Jean and family and friends up in your prayers as well during this time. All right. And pray for Michelle. She's absent today. She, she's a little bit uh, sick under the weather today. Lift her up in your prayers. Um, next week, our last week of Daniel. Okay. Um, you know, when I, when I start off with these six-week series, I'm like, oh, this is a long while. I'm like, oh, my gosh. Here we are. So very fitting, the end. Okay. We're going to talk about the end, the very end. Um, so be here next week. Um, have a great Independence Fourth of July weekend. And may you uh, be oxy, oxy clean. There you go. Have a great week. Thank <laughs> you.